This is Black Wall Street Chronicles, and we're back at it again. I want to give a shout out to everybody that's listening to this podcast. Before I get started with this episode, I'm going to give out some church announcements. My Instagram is BlackHogA840. If you go to my Instagram, BlackHogA840, you'll see that I'm an essential worker. And also, you'll see that I have my bios where it has my Twitter page my Facebook page and my Twitch okay uh, we recently in the midst of the George Floyd protest people are using the protests for their own agendas and their own attempts to create civil unrest in our society and today what we're going to do is talking about that I'm going to read articles about what's going on and give my opinion. Okay? Here, let's get started. This article is from the New York Times. It's the live updates uh, six minutes ago. It is now 12.18 a.m. June 6, and this update is about six minutes ago. Major demonstrations are planned across the country on Saturday, including Washington, where thousands of protesters are expected to converge. Right now, Roger Gerdell, the NFL commissioner, encouraged players' peaceful protests taking their side after President Trump announced kneeling during the national anthem. Here's what you need to know. Minneapolis is to ban the use of chokeholds in response to George Floyd's death. Protesting continues in the city's nature ride ahead of the demonstrations planned for Saturday. More police violence occurs during protests over police violence. An officer in New York, New Mexico, faces manslaughter charges after the death of a man he put in a chokehold. The NFL commissioner said the league should have listened to black players' concerns earlier. Trudeau knelt in solidarity with the protesters, but some Canadians want stronger words from him. The Attorney General says Trump's walk for a church photo op expedited in order to clear a park. Okay, here's the first. Minneapolis to ban the use of chokeholds in response to George Floyd's death. Minneapolis officials on Friday announced an agreement to immediately ban the use of chokeholds and strangleholds. Any movement to bolster accountability within the police department that uses force against African Americans far more often than against white residents. Officials announce a duty for officers to intervene and report any use of unauthorized force according to an agreement between city and state officials. The agreement comes after nearly two weeks of protests over the death of George Floyd, a black man who was pinned under the knee of a white Minneapolis police officer for nearly nine minutes, including after Mr. Floyd felt unresponsive. The officer faced a charge of murder and three other officers on the scene were charged with aiding and abetting the killing. George Floyd's service yesterday underscored that justice for George requires more than accountability for the man who killed him. It requires accountability from the elected leadership to deep structural reforms, Mayor Jacob Frey said in a statement. 
The manual of the Minneapolis Police Department previously stated that the neck restraints and chokeholds were basically reserved for life or death situations for officers, a threat that was not apparent during Mr. Ford's detention. Under the agreement with the Minnesota Department of Human Rights, the Minneapolis Police Department must also comply with a civil rights investigation and can only use force to control protest crowds with the approval of the Chief of Police. After approval by a county judge, the terms of agreement will be enforceable by the court. The Minneapolis ban came as a use of force policies are being re-examined across the country. This week, Cotterella introduced legislation to ban the use of chokeholds by law enforcement. And on Friday, Governor Gavin Newsom of California called for the aroma of neck restraints from the state's police training programs, saying that such tactics have no place any longer in the 21st century policing and practices. The Los Angeles Police Department banned the use of neck restraints in 1982 after 16 deaths in police custody and seven years were attributed to chokeholds. Illinois, Colorado, and California have also passed laws restricting the use of the tactic. The various type of neck restraints remain within policy in many departments, even in states where its misuse has been a problem. For example, in Sacramento, California, where a video surfaced over the weekend of the police using a net restraint on a suspected looter, the tactic is still regarded by law enforcement as a permissible use of force. The use of neck restraints has covered an intense scrutiny after high-profile deaths, including the death of Eric Garner at the hands of New York Police Department in 2014. The New York Police Department has banned chokeholds since the 1990s, but some officers still use them, and the investigators determined that the officer who wrestled Mr. Garner to the ground was used a banned chokehold. Mr. Garner fantasy gasped, I can't breathe, 11 times while lying face down on the sidewalk, a sentence that Mr. Ford also said several times. Elsewhere, Governor Tony Evers of Wisconsin on Tuesday urged passage of legislation aimed at minimalizing the use of lethal police force, and the New Jersey's Attorney General said that the state would update its use of force guidelines for the first time in two decades. And Maryland state owners last week announced a bipartisan police reform work group. A chief car chairman, best of the police. Uh, excuse me, and Chief Carmen Best of the Seattle Police Department said that she was banning the use of tear gas on protesters for at least 30 days and calling for a review of the apartment's crowd control tactics. Protests continue in cities nationwide instead of demonstrations planned for Saturday. On the 11th night of protests following George Floyd's death, Significant crowds continue to gather in the streets of America's cities from New Orleans to New Orleans to Los Angeles to New York in advance of what is suspected to be a huge outpouring of rage against police violence on Saturday with major demonstrations planned across the country. In Washington, which has been the site of some of the largest crowds this week with outrage focused on the White House, Thousands of protesters are expected to converge downtown and the police department said it was closing many streets for protests on Saturday beginning at 6 a.m. and lasting until midnight. A police inspector Joseph Bologna 
will face two felony accounts of aggravated assault and other charges after beating a Temple University student in the head with a baton during a protest early in the week. The city's district attorney said on Friday, a video of the outburst on Monday was shared widely on social media. The student who was arrested and needed about 10 staples and 10 stitchers will not be charged, the district attorney office said. In Cleveland, two Pennsylvania men bent on setting fires and rioting drove across state lines to Cleveland last weekend with a gun and a bottle fire starter. Federal authorities said on the Friday that the men were arrested in charge of multiple felonies. An adult and three juveniles were in professions of fire starters were also arrested during a break-in attempt at Progressive Field, the home of the Cleveland Indians baseball team, the city police said. Brooklyn. Hundreds of demonstrators marched in the rain outside the Metropolitan Detention Center to protest the death on Wednesday of Jamal Floyd, an inmate who was prefaced by a guard before he was found unconscious. The borough prison said that Mr. Floyd had barricaded himself in his cell, was breaking his cell door window with a metal object. Providence, Rhode Island. A black firefighter said in an interview with WPRI, a local television station, that he was ordered out of his car by police officers at gunpoint on a recent night during citywide curfew. The firefighter, Terrell Posse, said he was wearing his uniform in a car parked outside of the city fire station when the officers asked if he had the gun and searched the vehicle. The firefighter's unit lamented the incident in a Facebook form. This situation makes clear that even in a uniform, a young black man is not immune for the impact of systemic institutional racism. The city spokeswoman did not immediately respond to requests for a comment. Miami, a standoff between protesters and police in riot gear closed Interstate I-95 in both directions. A line of police officers blocking the exit ramp that the protesters tried to use to, to enter the expressway which crosses Vascons Bay and is a major artery to Miami Beach. In St. Louis, the Metropolitan Police Department released security camera footage from the pawn shop where a retired police captain was fatally shot by a looter on Monday night. President Trump treated his condolences to the family of the victim, David Dawn, 77. In Columbus, Ohio, protesters raised their fists in unison outside the state capitol ahead of a citywide curfew that remains in effect. Some questioned the need for a curfew, contending that protests in the city have been peaceful. A week ago, protesters smashed several windows of the state's capital. Well, I guess the protest has not been peaceful. <laughs> oh boy, this shit is hitting the fan. Washington, the District of Columbia, just sparred this week with federal government over troops being deployed onto city streets, painted a two-block lone mural on the streets leading to the White House. The rule means Black Lives Matter and yellow street paint and is likely to last well beyond the street's protests. Mayor Muriel Bowser also renamed the 16th Street Northwest just before the White House, Black Lives Matter Plaza NW. More police violence occurs during protests over police violence.
As protests over the death of George Floyd sweep the nation, the demonstrations have revealed powerful moments of peaceful protest, in some cases among the police officers, who have been taking a knee in solidarity, reading the names of police brutality victims out loud, or cryingly crying alongside protesters. But the protesters have also revealed widespread incidents of police aggression, documented with the same tool that captured Mr. Floyd's death under the knee of a white police officer in Minneapolis. Well, video. Oh, I know about this story because I'm from, I'm from New York. In Buffalo, two police officers were suspended without pay after a video showed them showing a 75-year-old protester who was hospitalized with a head injury in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Miami, Herald reporters filmed officers who were shooting a nonviolent protester in the head with foam rubber bullets, fracturing his eye socket. Cell phone video showed the New York City police officers beating unarmed protesters and side-sweeping demonstrators with open slide core doors. Captured by bystanders and sometimes shown on live television, the episodes have occurred in cities large and small, in the heat of mass protests and the acquired aftermath. A compilation posted on Twitter by North Carolina lawyer included over 300 clips by Friday morning. The episodes have emerged over nearly two weeks of largely peaceful demonstrations in at least 600 cities across America. As thousands of people filled the streets in a historic process against systemic racism and police brutality. Officers and protesters alike have been injured in tense conflicts. And several people have been killed amid unrest and looting. Video has played a prominent role in the case of a popular restaurant owner in Louisville, Kentucky, who was killed by law enforcement after he appeared to shoot his gun in a chaotic exchange. The unsettled pain of the English nation has stretched over the week, past week from the Minneapolis Chapel where speakers remembered Mr. Floyd, a 46-year-old black security guard and father, to the White House where President Trump has been in a standoff with the Pentagon over the use of military force against the protesters. The free Sumter Democratic President nominee, former Vice President Joseph R. Biden, told a group of black supporters on Thursday night that we're in the battle for the soul of this country. The national attention has brought past incidents to clear view. A black man who called out, I can't breathe, before dominant police custody in Tacoma, Washington, in March was killed as a result of oxygen desperation and physical restraint that was used on him, a medical examiner ruled in a report this week. An officer in New Mexico faces manslaughter charges after the death of a man he put in a chokehold. Authorities in the city of Las Cruces in southern New Mexico announced on Friday that a police officer would be fired and charged with involuntary manslaughter in connection with the killing of a man who fled from a traffic stop. The man, Antonio Venezuela, 40, died on February 29th. The Las Cruces Police Department said he had an overwarrant because of a parole violation and was tased twice by officers while running away after being pulled over. Officer Christopher Sumser then used a chokehold technique on Mr. Venezuela. The 
Los Cruces Medical Examiner Office determined this week that Mr. Venezuela died from the injuries caused by being I hate using this A word, so I'm just going to say choked. By being choked, the department said. The death of Mr. Venezuela, a painter and father of four, has resonated across New Mexico, which was already grappling with the, some of the highest rates of fatal shootings by police officers anywhere in the United States. Involuntary manslaughter is a fourth degree felony. Officer Simoster is also in process of being fired from the force, said Don Torello, a police spokesperson. Also, the smelter cannot immediately be reached for comment Thursday, and it was unclear whether he had a lawyer. The department also said in a statement that the neck restraint technique used on Mr. Venezuela was prohibited immediate after the episode. The NFL commissioner said the league should have listened to black players' concerns earlier. After President Trump renewed criticism of NFL players protesting during the national anthem, Commissioner Roger Gardell delivered his strongest support yet for their right to demonstrate to fight racism and police brutality. In a swift response to a video montage that featured star players asking the lead to address systemic racism, Gardell said he apologized for not listening to the concerns of African-American players earlier and said he supported the players' right to protest peacefully. During the 2016 season, Colin Kaepernick started the movement within the league when he loved to call attention to racial injustice and violence by police, but no team has offered him a contract since then. Gardell's comments were geometrically opposed to the president, who spoke out to defend New Orleans Saints quarterback Drew Brees who said this week that he was disrespectful to Neil during the pre-game playing of the Star Spangled Banner. Reeves apologized on Thursday after immediate backlash, but the president said on Twitter that Reeves should not have backtracked and the people should stand when the anthem is played on Friday night. Reeves directed an Instagram post to the president. We can no longer use the flag to turn people away or distract from the real issues that face our black communities, we said. We did this in 2017 and regretfully, I brought it back with my comments last this week. More than any other major sports league, the NFL has wrestled in recent years with the issue of race, the lack of African American and other people of color and positions of power in the league and the rights of players to protest social issues on the field. While three quarters of the league players are African American, nearly every teen owner is white and several of the most prominent owners are strong supporters of the president. Justin Trudeau, Prime Minister of Canada, in solidarity with protesters, but some Canadians want stronger words from them. I don't know what's going on in Canada. Interesting. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau of Canada took a lead on Friday, along with hundreds of others repeating the gesture that in the United States have become synonymous with protests against police brutality against black people. Kneeling at a large anti-racism march in the capital city, Ottawa, was the latest symbolic move by the Prime Minister that seemed intent to say more than he has been willing to share in the words.
When asked pointedly at a news conference earlier in the week when he made a President Trump's call for military action against American protesters and the tear gassing of peaceful demonstrators to make way for the President's photo op, the Canadian Prime Minister paused in an uncomfortable 21 seconds trying to frame his thoughts. Finally, he responded diplomatically. We all watch in horror and consternation of what's going on in the United States. Then he went on to say Canadians needed to address their own problems of systemic racism. This is not enough for some protesters on Friday who were captured on television channel. Stand up to Trump. The Ottawa March was a many on Friday and planned for Saturday across Canada in support of Black Lives Matter protests in the United States and also in reaction to police brutality in Canada against black Canadians, indigenous people, and others. The Attorney General says Trump's walk for a church photo op expedited in order to clear a park. Attorney General William P. Barr said Friday that law enforcement officers were in the process of following his order to kill a Lafayette Park when President Trump decided to walk through it on his way to a nearby church prompting the officers to use aggressive means to remove protesters at the area. They had the Park Police Mountain Unit ready, so it was just a matter of execution, Mr. Barr told the Associated Press. So I didn't just say to them, go. By making a fine-grained distinction between his Monday afternoon order to clear the park and the tactical decision hours later to use pepper balls and smoke bombs to hurriedly remove clergy and peaceful protesters from Mr. Trump's path. Mr. Barr was attempting to further distance himself from a controversial incident that ended up with President Heaven's photo taken holding the Bible in front of St. John's Church. He said his most criticisms of how he handled the situation were illegitimate and that they were rebuked by a former defense attorney, Jim Mattis, was born of ignorance of the facts. Mr. Trump's walk was also criticized by Reverend Jeannie Jerbeski, director of St. John's Church in Georgetown and former assistant rector at St. John's, who was attacked by officers and driven for the church patio. Mr. Barr's late comments shifted the narrative set by the White House officials, where it said that he gave the order to clear the park. Mr. Barr said a park police tactical commander was responsible for how the park was cleared which led to a widespread camp condemnation with federal officers who were caught on beating a cameraman and using riot shields and the horses to contain a mostly peaceful crowd. David Barnhart, the Secretary of the Interior, declined to explain the park's police role, saying on Friday that the Democrats' request for one was an unacceptable attack on law enforcement. In a letter to Representative Deborah Halen of New Mexico, Iran Excuse me, I'm not able to pronounce his name. Raul of Arizona, Mr. Barnhart said that the police officers had been under siege. Mr. Barnhart's recounting conflicted with multiple eyewitness accounts of his administration, from reporters, protesters, clergy, and other at the scene who said the gathering was nonviolent until the park police advanced on protesters that some type of chemical irritant was employed. 
The three New York City district attorneys will not prosecute protesters accused of low-level offenses. District attorneys in Manhattan, Brooklyn, and the Bronx will not prosecute people accused of low-level offenses after being arrested amid the protests against police brutality and systemic racism that entered the second week in New York City on Friday. Since last week, more than 2,000 people have been arrested and sitting on charges like disorderly conduct, resisting arrest, unlawful assembly, assault on a police officer, and burglary, according to the police and protesters. On Friday, the Manhattan District Attorney Cyrus R. Vance Jr. said he will not prosecute protesters accused of a lawful assembly and disorderly conduct in a statement. He commended demonstrators who had gathered peacefully and committed no other infestments. The prosecution of protesters charged with these low-level offenses undermine critical bonds between law enforcement and the communities we serve. Mr. Vance said in a statement, Our office has a moral imperative to enact public policies which assure all New Yorkers that in our justice system and our society, Black Lives Matter and police violence is a crime. According to the District Attorney's Office, the move affects 71 cases. Under existing policy, Manhattan protesters dismissed such cases after six months, provided that the accused was not charged with a new crime. Brooklyn's District Attorney Eric Gonzalez has taken a similar stance. He said his office will review cases in which a disappearance ticket was issued and determine whether the case should move forward. In instances where the person was only charged on unlawful assembly, or violating curfew, his office will decline to prosecute. We will respond to arrest here, but we will make sure that the prosecution of the individual makes sense and does not trample on the right to assemble. Mr. Gonzalez said in an interview this week, we stand for the right of people to protest. Mr. Gonzalez's office has so far declined to prosecute a half dozen cases. The Bronx District Attorney, Darcel D. Clark, has also declined to prosecute protesters accused unlawful assembly or violating a curfew. A summons will be issued in such cases and said. Mr. Fans said that his office would not prosecute those accused of violating a curfew. He and Mr. Gonzalez have said that they would continue to prosecute people accused of violence against officers and looting. Both officers are investigating allegations of abuse and brutality against protesters. A spokeswoman for mayor's office did not respond to a request for comment on Friday. Devorah Kaye, a spokeswoman for the police department, said in a statement, it is our understanding that each arrest will continue to be looked on a case-by-case -case basis. Democrats pillory Trump for saying today is a great day for George Floyd. President Trump was pillarized by Democrats on Friday for declaring during a speech that the economy that it was a great day for George Floyd, a black man who died in Minneapolis after his neck was pinned under the knee of a white police officer. Hopefully George is looking down right now and saying that this is a great thing that happened for our country, Mr. Trump said. A great day for him, a great day for everybody. This is a great day for everybody. This is a great day in terms of equality. 
Mr. Trump's comments drew a mini-income denigration on former Vice President Joseph R. Biden, the President's Democratic challenger. George Floyd's last words, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, have echoed across the nation, quite frankly, around the world. Mr. Biden said in the free speech on Friday, for the President to try to put out any other words in the mouth of George Floyd, I frankly think that this is despicable. Mr. Trump's comments on Mr. Floyd were delivered as he glanced down at a piece of paper during an otherwise scattered Scotch speech to briefly address the need for law enforcement officials to treat Americans fairly. Equal justice under the law must mean that every American receives equal treatment in every encounter with law enforcement, regardless of race, color, gender, or creed. Mr. Trump said in the Rose Garden, they have to receive fair treatment for law enforcement. But his comments drew outrage from those who were appalled that Mr. Trump was trying Mr. Ford's killing to a bright spot in the American economy. Keep George Ford's name out of your mouth until you can say Black Lives Matter. Senator Camilla Harris of California, a possible vice presidential pick for Mr. Biden, tweeting at the president. In interviews with several of his allies this week, Mr. Trump has largely declined to address a larger effort to curb police violence. University has rescinded admissions for students who are seen to make light of George Floyd's death. Several colleges and universities has rescinded admission to students who were accused of posting racist material online in the wake of George Floyd's death in police custody after a social media backlash against the pro students. The University of Denver, Arizona Christian University and the College of Charleston have issued statements this week saying that they have a strong offers to students who have made such pros. The president of Missouri State University declined to do the same as student was not Mr. Floyd's death, but the student withdrew on their own. It is clear that we are in the defining moment. University of Denver's Chancellor Jeremy Hefner said in a letter signed by university administrator posted on the school's website, he said that the university has revoked a prospective student's admission for posting a racist photo on social media, but he did not describe the photo. Cliff Smart, president of Missouri State University, said he has been tempted to rescind admission to a prospective student agonized over the free speech implications of doing so. A student, a young woman, had posted a video to Snapchat, which two other women laughingly recreated Mr. Floyd's death, according to a university official. Many of you have reached out to share the hurt, anger, and disbelief you experience on watching the video. Mr. Smart wrote on the university website. It demonstrates a disturbing lack of empathy and respect for the death of Mr. Floyd, his family, and others who have suffered similarity while in police custody. Another prospective student used a racial slur during a social media exchange with a black student in her high school, Mr. Smart said. Mr. Smart said his first M was to extend both officers in admission. But he said that as a public university, Missouri State was obligated to uphold the right to speech, free speech, and beyond that, had a mission to teach tolerance. 
This our formative years while people change and grow, Mr. Smart adding. We legally cannot, and in my opinion, should not bar a student from entry for expensive comments posted as in Adelson. I believe in grace, redemption, and the probability that a college education can change people's for the better it did me. In the end, the university did not get a chance. After a public outcry, the students withdrew their enrollment voluntarily, he said. Facebook said it removed accounts of hate groups urging followers to infiltrate protests. Facebook said on Friday that it was removed nearly 200 social media accounts collected to far-right hate groups that tried to rally followers to infiltrate the George Floyd protests. The social network said it removed 80 Facebook accounts and 50 Instagram accounts associated with white supremacist group American Guard and 30 Facebook accounts and 30 Instagram accounts linked to the Proud Boys, another hate group. Both groups had previously been banned from the company's networks, but such bans are hard to enforce because new accounts can crop up, often under aliases. As quickly as the one ones are removed, Facebook said that the two groups had re-emerged as social media and were calling for people to join protests against racism and police violence, sometimes with weapons. These groups apparently to rally supporters and members to physically go on the ground to protest, in some cases to go with weapons, Brian Fishman, Facebook's director for counterterrorism and dangerous organizations said on the call with reporters. Nadano Gletcher, Facebook's head of cybersecurity policy, said the site had also removed a third batch of accounts that include those users masquerading as members of ATISA, the loose-nick, far-left, anti-fascism activism movement. Mr. Gletcher said that the Digger group of accounts was linked to an account that Twitter took down on Monday, a move reported earlier by NBC News. The owner of that account posed as an Antifa member aiming to incite violence during the protests. Facebook said it has not seen foreign interference on the site related to the protests. Even as the security teams are actively scouring the social network force to meddling, Attorney General William P. Barr has said on Saturday that the federal government has seen evidence of foreign actors playing all sides to exacerbate the violence. Stop hitting him. The video shows admittance pleading with police before a man died in custody. A woman who witnessed the arrest on Manuel Ellis, a black man in Tacoma, Washington, called on the police to stop hitting him after they wrestled Mr. Ellis to ground, according to the video of the arrest. Mr. Ellis died in the minutes following his arrest in March after pleading, I cannot breathe. An eerie echo of some of the final words of other black men who have died in police custody including Eric Garner and George Floyd. The woman captured video clips showing great portions of the arrest of Mr. Ellis, 33, including punches that offered through while he was on the ground. She was in her car and had pulled up right behind the police vehicle at the southern edge of Tacoma late night on March 3rd. After the videos were posted online, 
Tacoma's Mayor Victoria Woodlers released a video message late Wednesday night saying that she was enraged by what she saw was directing the city manager to fire each other officer involved. The officers who committed this crime should be fired and prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law, Ms. Woodward said. The first video captured by the witness begins in the middle of the encounter, showing both officers standing right as they took Mr. Elias to the ground and on the road in front of some garbage cans, which with Mr. Ellis on his back, one of the officers got down on his knees and began punching Mr. Elias. Stop, oh my God, stop hitting him. Just arrest him, the witness called out in the video. In the later curb, she drove down, passed down the sea. Video showed that officers asking Mr. Elias to put his hands behind his back. The officers appeared to have Mr. Elias subdued and on his side. Detective Ed Troyer of the Pierce County Sheriff's Department, with his handling of the investigation, said that Mr. Elias at one point called out, I can't breathe, and the officers called for medical support. The New York City police are surrounding peaceful protesters to arrest them not allowing them to disperse. The New York City Police have resorted repeatedly to the tactic of kettling peaceful after curfew demonstrators in recent days, pinning them even where they can offer to disperse and then charging them to make arrests, often use force in the process. They'll approach witness several times while reporters around the city attest by the protesters marks a more aggressive approach by the police department and has produced a hundred arrests at a time. Demonstrators said it has abetted the use of offensive force by officers in the past week, which has sparked a political backlash against the department and Mayor Bill de Blasio. On Wednesday night, 45 minutes after the city's 8 p.m. curfew, hundreds of peaceful protesters downtown Brooklyn encountered a formation of officers in riot gear. Minutes later, they tried to repeat only to find that the police have formed another human barricade beside them. They were surrounded. Officers challenged its demonstrators, officers swinging batons as the scene turned into the melee. In the Bronx Thursday night, the officers began surrounding a group of demonstrators before the curfew began, making arrests by 8.02. The tactic of pending cows can, can use to fuse tension with the officers allowing people to leave at a few times. Instead of the New York police have used it in a way to prevent people from leaving and facilitate mass arrests. Mr. Bill de Blasio, Police Commissioner DeMott F. Shea have called kettling necessary to deter looters who ransacked parts of Manhattan over the weekend. But since Monday, protests have gone on with far less violence and destruction. I don't want protesters hemmed in if they don't need to be, the mayor said in the interview on WNYC radio on Friday, but he added that sometimes there's a legitimate problem and it's not visible to protesters. Hmm. Well, those are the latest updates to the New York Times. All right. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take a quick break and I'm going to come right back.
Give me five sorry. Give me five minutes, guys.
Okay, uh, well, I'm back, guys. So, we did a couple of articles with the New York Times. Uh, read a couple of articles with the New York Times. Uh, yeah, there's civil unrest happening across the country. And even Canadians is going in. You know, I've heard rumors that in Canada they have to deal with systemic racism, too, and police brutality and stop and frisk policies. By the way, um, if you want information, I did an episode on Stop and Frisk, so anybody that wants to talk about policy, if you want to talk about unfair policy and policing in New York City, you can go to, <coughs> let's see, you can go to Black Wall Street Chronicles, episode 25, and I talk about stop and frisk. You're going to learn about a uh, federal police and policy called the Terry Stops. And that was created in the Supreme Court case, Terry v. Ohio. And in that episode, you'll find out the numbers of the stop and frisk policies of New York City. Not only I'll tell you the numbers, I'll tell you why stop and frisk in New York City was considered to be constitutional. It's considered to be unconstitutional. Now, the episode is called Black Wall Street Chronicles, episode 25. Be sure to, look, uh, to listen to that after you listen to this particular episode. Now, What I want to do is, I want to do articles on, read a couple of articles on the death of Breonna Taylor, because I feel that, um, I don't think people are paying attention to Breonna Taylor's case a little, not much, the media is not really paying attention to it. Um, so I want to do a couple of more articles about that because I did an episode about her and on May 21st. And the episode is called The Death of Breonna Taylor and it's a 40 minute, 57 second episode. And I noticed in my analytics that a lot of people are not listening to that and you need to listen. Because black women are also victims of police brutality too. So, let's get the latest on Breonna Taylor. CNN.com, they talk about here's where the Breonna Taylor case stands now. Now, Breonna, here's where the article states. Breonna Taylor would have been 27 today. Here's where her case stands. On June 5th, Breonna Taylor would have been 27 years old, but she was killed two months ago when the police broke down her door to an apartment and attempted drug sting and shot at her eight times. A lot has happened since that day, and Taylor's life and death could have been folded into the larger 
worldwide outcry against police violence that exploded after the death of George Floyd in late May. Some worried that the young black EMT, who was described as full of life and best friend to many, is being forgotten. Here's where a case stands. Legal. A wrongful death lawsuit, an FBI investigation, but no charges. Taylor's family filed a wrongful death lawsuit two months after her killing, claiming charges of battery, wrongful death, and excessive force, negligence, and gross negligence. The no-lock warrant issued by police included Taylor's house because, according to a police affidavit for a search warrant for the raid, which was attained by CNN affiliate WAVE, Authorities suspected a man involved in a drug ring was receiving packages of drugs at her home. On May 21st, the FBI's Louisville office announced that they were opening an investigation into the circumstances surrounding her death. On May 21st, the FBI's Louisville office announced that they were opening an investigation into the circumstances surrounding her death. Since these legal announcements, there has been little movement in the Taylor's case. The three officers involved in the shooting are still on administrative leave, according to the Louisville Courier-Journal. They have not been charged with any crimes. Institutional change to the police department exit the chief or side review. On May 21st, the Louisville Metropolitan Police Department announced that it will require also officers to wear body cameras. The LMPD also said it would change how the department carries out search warrants in response to Taylor's death. Louisville Mayor Greg Fisher and the developments were the first steps in the city would take towards providing police accountability. The same day, the LMPD's police chief, Steve Conrad, announced that he would be retiring at the end of June. However, Conrad was removed from his post on June 1st after he was discovered the officers present the suiting death of a black man named David McKean. Matty, during the Louisville protest, did not have their body cams turned on. On June 3rd, Fisher announced the city of Louisville will be issuing a request for a proposal for a comprehensive top-to-bottom review of the LNPD to be concluded for external firm. The request for proposal can be viewed here. Taylor's name has been a feature in the recent protests spurred by the staling of George Floyd, and some of the demonstrations have been specifically in her memory. During the protests in Louisville, May 26, including Taylor's friends and family, Demonstrators stood outside Mayor Grace Fisher House and demanded the arrest of officers involved in her killing. This demand has been echoed and amplified online. A change.org position calling for justice in Taylor's death has been prompted by influential voices like singer Janelle Monet and Bernice King, and currently holds more than 3.5 million signatures. Writer Kate Young has also called for several action items to be carried out on Taylor's birthday. Under the name Birthday for Brianna, they include signing the above position, donating the legal air funds, or the GoFundMe campaign for Taylor's family. 
and sending birthday cards to Kentucky Attorney Generals demanding the charges in the case. Finally, people are being encouraged to say Taylor's name loudly and often in the streets and online, so the definite wave of dissident crashing. Excuse me, there's a pop. Finally, people are being encouraged to say Taylor's name loudly and often in the streets and online, so that in the definite wave of dissident crashing over the country, the story is not washed. article by CNN. Yeah, people are scared that um, Breonna Taylor's voice is going to be forgotten. And it's good that we talk about Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Aubrey and all the black men and black women who was unjustly killed by police. This article is by A.J. Williamson. And if you go online to CNN.com, you can read it yourself. So, I'm going to tell you personally, being that I'm in New York City and I'm an essential worker and I am real literally at the ground zero of COVID-19 and I have the riots going on at the same time. Well, protests and looting and riots. These are three different things. We have to make that clear. Well, um, looters have attacked Fordham Road. Looters have attacked Allerton Avenue, and and you have businesses in the neighborhood that's boarding up their place. Like we have a 7-Eleven over at Pelham Parkway, Pelham Parkway South, uh, right next to the Pelham Parkway train station, the new 7-Eleven. It recently was built a couple of years ago. They built. And we have the pharmacy, a uh, small pharmacy that had to build their uh, boards up. And the reason why they had to build their boards up because um, there's a possibility that people will try to go in there and steal Percocets and steal drugs. I have to think about there's some drug addicts out here. My thing is this. 80% of the people in America is unemployed. Only thing you needed was a poverty kid to basically set things off. And George Floyd's unjustly killing was the powder keg. Now, if 80% of the American people is unemployed, what did you expect to happen? You know, these people are going to go in there and steal luxury items and steal drugs and what they're going to do is they're going to try to flip that for some money. I think anybody that steals the Apple product is an idiot because Apple, what they'll do is they'll track the stolen product down and they force you to bring it back anyway. So you're, you're putting yourself in a situation where you can go to jail. The New York City Police Department lied about Rolex. They said 2.5 million Rolexes were stolen. The, uh, the corporation of Rolex, the individuals that own that particular store in Mintown, they stated in a report that no jewelry was stolen 
and they removed all of the watches and all of the jewels, which means the NYPD is lying. And then you have these bricks, these bricks that's by big banks and government buildings. You know, the, we're gonna call them the ace provocateur bricks. Uh, bricks, they trying to set at the pro the gaslight and set the protesters up to throw bricks at government buildings. Because the minute that you throw one brick at a government building, President Trump is going to invoke the Insurrection Act and he's going to send troops to go to quell the protesters. Yeah, I think this is an attempt to turn the United States of America into a fascist state. And the whole world is up on it. This is why the whole world is protesting. It's like a perfect storm. First you um, put, and then you start randomly killing black people because you know that racism is the biggest problem in the United States of America. Then right in front of everybody's face, they gaslight everybody to go out in the streets. So you can make a false flag event to bring military into the, turn the United States of America into a full fascist police state. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm an essential worker. I gotta get items and materials for myself and my mom. Um, the EMT just came to our apartment the other day because I live in the projects in New York City. You know, what they're doing is Governor Cuomo is he's set up a situation where they sent EMTs to project housing to test people. So there was this cute little EMT. And she was a very attractive Hispanic woman. She came to put that thing up my nose and up my mouth so I can, you know, get tested. And the results came back yesterday to show that I'm negative. So I'm gonna keep my social distancing and I keep doing my thing. I keep making my money. Thank God I'm making money because if I was broke and I did not have no money, I would be completely fucked up out here. So, peace and blessings everyone. Oh, and by the way, we have to talk about Breonna Taylor, right? Again, you guys need to listen to my episode called The Death of Breonna Taylor. Because in the article earlier, I've already mentioned in that article about an unjust no-knock warrant. Now, if you go to my episode called The Death of Breonna Taylor, I actually go more in depth of the no-knock warrant, the unjust no-knock warrant that has been in the policies that has been implemented on a war on drugs. And there's a poss high possibility that that may be unconstitutional, just like the war on drugs itself. Okay, thank you very much, and you enjoy your night. Please stay safe, my fellow Americans. God bless.